Hi everybody, my name is Jillian Hahn and I am with The Beauty Project. It's a research project that I've been doing for the last couple years and it means the world to me to be sharing with you in this way about what I've been up to. Uh, I've been interviewing people that are inside of the, the beauty industry and I've gained so much from this. You know, during a time where we need to be quarantining and not connecting with people and I've found myself deeply reconnecting with an industry that has impacted my life since I was five years old. And so this interview, uh, this episode is with Allison Stock and she is in Colorado. And I didn't know her uh, before this interview, actually. I posted on an Aveda uh, stylist page, just, hey, this is what I'm doing, da, da, da. And she was the first one to respond to it. And it was so fun to, to connect with her and get to know her and feel her enthusiasm for for the, indus the industry and because of her I got to speak with a couple other people and it's just brought me so much joy and so I hope you enjoy um, and welcome to the beauty project so, Allison, how about you just tell us a little bit about you? Where where in the world are you? Um, what salon are you connected with? Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Perfect. Well, um, so my name's Allison Stock, and I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm actually Golden, one of the very small little towns around it. Um, <clears throat> I work at Zandy K Salons. We have two locations, one in central Denver and one out in the suburbs by the mountains, which is really cool. Um, I am a stylist there. I also am the director of talent and education for the salon. So I oversee all of our technical interviews, placement of the stylists, um, all of our apprentices. I oversee their education and their program and get them started on the floor. Great. How long have you been doing hair and in the industry? Yeah, so uh, I started doing hair in 2001. So it's been a while. It's been a really long time, uh -huh. um, and actually because of that, I am starting to transition out of doing as much hair behind the chair, and I'm kind of working more into that education role. Um, I've also, in that time frame, taught for Aveda and for Paul Mitchell, Great. so that's kind of something really interesting and different. You know, you don't get a lot of people that do that out of all of the thousands of people that do hair, you know, Absolutely. so yeah, I just think education is really important, so I just try and make it as important to the salon and the staff and the new stylist as possible. That's great. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in the world and um, how are you, how are you doing? How are um, you doing? Yeah. So um, in Colorado, our salons closed for seven weeks with COVID, which was different in my almost 20 years of doing hair. I've never <laughs> experienced anything like that, you know, as most people obviously have not. Um, it's it's different it made me realize how much like mental health is really important to people and because I don't really suffer with any of you know depression or anxiety or anything like that but I know so many people that do you know and it was very apparent with everyone staying home and you know things like that so I found that very interesting and it made me kind of want to learn more about that you know and how to help people with that you know especially um you know, doing hair, you know, we are kind of therapists as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it made me really aware of that. So I thought that was very interesting. And then, um, you know, going back into the salon after COVID, you know, we had to spread out and go on separate shifts and, you know, things like that. I'm working with four people instead of, you know, 12 or 13 people, which is different too. You know, it makes a different atmosphere in the salon and, you know, us wearing masks and all the things, you know, it's just very different. And, interesting I could just find it interesting that something has taken over the whole world you know yeah. I, I just find that very interesting so 
Um, and, and then with everything else that's happening with, you know, the protests and things like that, I, I just feel like everyone just needs to be kind to each other and that would help a lot. Um, and I think people need to educate themselves, you know, I mean, there's so many things that I feel like got swept under the rug and nobody knew about, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really sad and terrible and it terrifies me for our future. So hopefully everything, you know, starts to get a little better. Yeah. How's your mental health doing? Um, I actually am fine. I, I was actually really fine during uh, my my stay at home, my quarantine, but going back to work has been strange for me because that's when it's, my mental health kind of went a little down because I was like, oh, I want to go do things, but I still can't go do things. <laughs> you know, you step back out in the world and then you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And you go to work, you go home. So that's been a little tough for me because I'm a, I am a social person, but I just have to do it. You know, you have to do what everyone else has to do. And I'd rather stay home and stay safe for people. So hopefully we can get COVID out of here as fast as possible. Ideally. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, a little bit more about the, the shutdowns and and perspective on that. Um, But I want to talk a little bit more about just you and the, the beauty industry and yeah. what is beauty to you? How do you define it? You know, I've been thinking about this since I found out I was going to do this interview. And I, I feel like beauty has so many different forms and identities and definitions even, you know, I feel like obviously we all do here because we want to make people feel beautiful and feel good about themselves. And I think it's cool that I can do something with my hands to like change someone's world. I think that's so awesome. But I also think beauty is, you know, healthy relationships, whether it's a partner, a spouse, a friend, a parent, a sibling, you know, I think that in my life in particular, you know, that's very important to me. And um, I think beauty is coming home and my dog's being excited to see me, you know, and I think beauty, especially looking at your background, (laughs) you know, beauty is nature, you know, and everyone in it, you know, and I feel like, I was trying to think about what kind of stylist I've evolved to. And I think I'm more of a natural type person. You know, I like to wear my hair curly. I love to have people wear their hair natural. I just, I think that is so important for our self image is to be okay with how we are and how beautiful we really are, you know? So that's kind of how I feel about beauty. Yeah. What is the beauty industry? So to me, the beauty industry obviously is making people feel good. I mean, anytime I was teaching and we would ask the students why they came to school to do hair, they want to make people feel good. They want to make them feel beautiful. And I, I think that that is everyone's answer because that is truly what we're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. What an incredible thing we get to do. Oh, absolutely. Really. I mean, just getting to touch people, mm-hmm. you know, even before COVID and all that, just like, yeah. it just being like a sacred thing, yeah. you know? And how long have you been back to work now? I'm not, I'm not back. You're not back yet? Um, I have a long, long story short, I actually left my salon in September. Oh, yeah. And because I wanted to travel. Sure. <laughs> and so I, I traveled a bunch and I actually drove across the country, drove wow. 7,000 miles by myself, just wow, exploring, seeing all my friends that have, you know, I've met over the years. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, like, I need to, like, settle down, or, you know, I need to figure this out, (laughs) and that was in March, and then, so I was in Austin, Texas, okay, looking for jobs, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out my license, all of that, and (laughs) about a week and a half into that, everything started shutting down, and I was like, Ooh, uh, I don't know. And then I, I was in Austin for three and a half weeks and then okay. I decided to come back to my hometown in California and oh, nice. I've just been here. And yeah. so I don't have a clientele. I don't have, you know, like I left <laughs> it all. It, it's really yeah. interesting timing for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it brings my heightened curiosity of, of yeah. all of this because I'm not honestly, I'm not being directly affected by it. I mean, I am, but not in the Mm -hmm. way that, for example, you are, right? Like, I'm not going back to a clientele. Yeah. And, but I still want to be involved and 
this is my 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 foot in (laughs) yeah oh absolutely when I feel like our industry is really cool because you could do so many different things with it you know you can have your license and just have that little bit of base knowledge and there's so many different avenues for you to take you know that's why I think it's so cool absolutely yeah Yeah. and you know I I'm I'm a hairstylist at heart like I know that I've known that since I was you know in seventh grade (laughs) oh you're so lucky it took me a little while tell me how did you how did you (laughs) find out that you wanted to be in it Uh, yeah so it's a funny story (laughs) I I like funny stories perfect (laughs) you know I I went to college because that's what you do you know, both my parents um, had their degrees and things like that. So that's what you, what you did. So I went to school for two years. I changed my major twice in those two years. And it just, it just felt wrong. You know, I was like, this is so stupid. I don't want to be here. I don't want any part of this. And I've always been a creative person. Most of my classes in high school were definitely on the creative side. And I went to get my hair done when I was like pondering all this and we just were sitting there talking you know she'd done my hair for a while so we knew each other and while I, she put me in the chair to process and while I was sitting there I'm like this is so fun <laughs> like, she just talks all day you know and then she makes my hair look good you know it just it just kind of clicked I was not the person in high school that did makeup or hair or I wore my hair like this still different different lengths you know different versions of pulling it out of my face but you know this is just (laughs) this is literally how I do you know when I told my friends I was doing hair they're like oh (laughs) because I'm just not that person or I didn't seem like that person and then I started school and I started doing it and I was like yeah this is totally what I want to do you know and because my parents were not real excited about that and then I gave my dad his first haircut in our kitchen. And he was like, all right, you know what you're doing. Okay. You're good. You know? So that made me feel a little bit better that I actually had their blessing, you know, versus I'm like, well, I guess try it, you know? So, um, that's how I started doing hair. And I think what's interesting about my path is, you know, I've done everything. I've been an assistant at a super busy salon. I've been commissioned. I've been booth rental. I've gone back to commission. You know, I've taught, I have all these like different little areas that I, that I've been in, you know, for hair. And I think that I'm so good at educating because my school was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. But it's just, you know, the little mom and pop shop in my hometown, you know, so that, at school. So that's what I went to. And sure. I, oh, it was bad. It was, I mean, we used paper towels on people. Nice. Yep. They had to pay extra for conditioner. Okay. Like just regular conditioner. <laughs> It was bad. So, but I think I took that experience and I was, yeah, you can laugh. It's fine. <laughs> it was also really cheap. So there's that. Uh, um, you Do you know, remember how much a haircut was? Oh, it was $5, okay. which I actually, now I think that's still kind of expensive oh. for not including conditioner or a blow dry. Uh, it was bad, but you know, I think that has helped me be a better educator because I had to go and learn so much. Like they didn't even teach us foiling. We did cap highlights when Kelly Clarkson's hair was in. Yeah, I was gonna say, you said, was it 2001? Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. 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 So we had to put a cap on, pull highlights out, do the blonde, take it off, blow dry oh. it, put it on, pull hair through, put the dark on. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. So I wanted to take that kind of icky experience and just make it better for everyone, you know, and just really be the best teacher and give them the most information as possible. So that's right. kind of how my full circle has happened. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I hated beauty school. I think, I think a lot of us did. Every, everyone hates beauty school. I, yeah. Everyone. Which is so sad. It is terrible. And that's what I think is kind of nice that I've taught for Veda and Paul Mitchell and I had my school experience. So I can be like, look guys, Everyone hates their school. <laughs> Everyone hates everything about it. You just have to get it through, get your license, and then it's so much better, you know, right. so much better. What do you think needs to change? I think that a lot of it is just how things are set up. I think it's, you know, there's, there's definitely things that I prefer teaching with Aveda, and the salon I work at now is an Aveda salon, but 
I think what I preferred about Aveda versus my school or Paul Mitchell is just how the curriculum is set up. You know, every state has the requirements. You can't do anything about that. You, it's just going to happen. Until they change licensure, that's what it is. But I feel like Aveda's was better because you started in the classroom with me. I did all your book work. I did all your first hands-on. So then they felt very comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. But then I go to the floor with them for a little bit, and then I say bye, and I go start the next class. So I think that if, if you can set it up like that, I think that would be ideal because they're very comfortable with who they started with, but also you need to learn from other people. So I get the point of that, but I also think that it's just, school is so strict. Like the Veda school I worked at, you couldn't have anything shorter than here on your arm. Your ankles had to be covered. You had to wear closed-toed shoes. So it just, you know, if they weren't wearing that, we had to send them home because we would get a violation from the state board if they came in. So I think it's just all that like weird nagging, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to wear this, you have to act this way, you have to be here for 10 hours. Like, I just think it's just a lot, you know. But as we all know, it is an accelerated program, so you just have to get in and get it done. So I think you, they just have to have that mindset. Like, this is going to suck for 10 months, and then I'll be fine. I really think it's a mind game, too. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, I know. I, I've thought about, like, can you make it different? I don't know if you really can because of how the states have things set up, you know, to make it better. Right which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) it's interesting being such like creative people and then put creative people with those really strict, rigid roles. Like even just wearing black in, in school for me was really difficult. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I was done with school, I got rid of every piece of black clothing. I was like, I never want to wear black again. Now I'm fine with it. But Exactly. Well, oh, and like at awful. my school, we had to wear white scrubs. Yes, you can make that face. <laughs> white tennis shoes, white scrub, white lab coat. And they say it's so that it teaches you to be a clean worker. But I think that they just were trying to combat the dress code problem, like, you know, boobs out, butts out. I think they were just trying to not have that even be an issue. Because when I worked at Aveda or Paul Mitchell, they could wear all black, you know, yeah. and definitely in Colorado, because I taught Paul Mitchell in Colorado when we first moved here, it definitely, like, they could wear open-toed shoes, they could have their ankles show, like, it didn't matter, you know, as long as you were in black, but at, you know, Aveda, because, and Aveda is very, like, you wear black, maybe black and white, like, that's just what you do. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I just told them, I'm like, well, look, this is just the starter of your wardrobe, it's fine, you know, you just try and make it seem better <laughs> for them, but. It wow. really isn't. It really isn't. It's just what it is. It's unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> what was your self-esteem like when you were younger? Um, I think when I was younger, it was good for the most part. I mean, I started off kind of a chubby kid and then I like, you know, thinned out as you grow up a little bit. And so I remember my uncle's calling me thunder thighs you know, when I was little, but I did have pretty large eyes, like looking back at pictures, it was warranted, but you know, so that kind of, as I started to thin out, that kind of messed with my mind just a touch, but I didn't really think much about it, because, you know, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so it definitely, you know, media wasn't like it is now, and you know, things like that, I, you know, my parents were very censoring of what I watched on TV, so I mean, it was very, like, I didn't really notice, you know, um, until you start getting into like middle school, high school, where, you know, girls are getting boobs and, you know, things, and then you notice things about yourself, you know, you're like, am I as skinny as they are? And I, by then I was, I would definitely have thinned out. I was a cheerleader. So I definitely, um, felt fine with that, even though I think when we're younger, we still think that, oh, I was so fat, <laughs> you know, and then you get older and you're like, oh, maybe I wasn't as thick as I thought I was, you know? Um, and then, I think, you know, as we mature into adults, our bodies change and things happen and it just sometimes is what it is. You know, if you have a thyroid problem, you're not going to be a skinny person depending on what's going on, you know? So I think for where I'm at being almost 40, I think it's pretty good. You know, I don't think I look close to 40. So I think in my mind that is great. And I just try and remind myself that, you know, this is just who I am and you love me or you don't and that's okay. 
you know, I'm not gonna make everyone in this world happy. So as long yeah. as I can make myself happy and my husband happy, like I'm good, you know. So I think it's at a good point. It's definitely fluctuated throughout the years, but I think that's normal for women. Good. You know, in this day and age. So Yeah, not even just women, just humans. Yeah, that's right. true. I think now it's more evident with men having some body issues, you know, but before I don't like when I was younger, I didn't think the guys had any problem. Yeah, we don't talk about it. And that was something that I learned my first go round of this project. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Like talking. I mean, I definitely interviewed more women just because that's just kind of the way it happened. But the men that I interviewed, absolutely. Like they definitely talked about that. And they talked about how we don't talk about it. Sure. And that's been a really cool thing to like discover and uncover. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have some men clientele, but you know, we usually talk about sports. We don't really talk about totally. their, their body image, you know, and things like that. But I mean, my husband and I work out together, and it's because he wants to make sure he feels good about himself, you know. And I'm like, well, you can be however you want. Totally love you, anyways. But you know, we do work out together because he does feel like he wants to make his arms look better, or you know, whatever. Yeah. But, how has it been being in the industry? Like for me, it was always really challenging when someone would sit down in my chair and they would look directly in the mirror and start picking themselves apart. Oh, it's so hard. Cause what, what do you do in that? Yeah. And it's especially hard. I think when it's a new person, mm-hmm. cause they don't know you, you don't know them, you know? Um, I always just try and have positive reinforcement. I mean, that's, as much as we can do, because ultimately it's in our minds, you know, and if our mind isn't changing about it, it's, it's detrimental to ourselves, you know, and maybe if enough people tell them they'll, their mind can switch it a little bit, but we all have that little bad one and the little good one, you know, and the bad one usually wins. It's hard, you know, um, it, so during COVID, one of our clients at the salon, um, did group therapy sessions for us, which was so cool. It was so cool. But she talked a lot about that and about, we had one whole session on self-esteem actually. And, you know, she's like, that bad one's always going to win, but you have to just learn how to reprogram your brain because it is all in your brain. You know, it's all in here. And if we can't reprogram it, then it's not going to help. But that's why I think having, trying to do the positive reinforcement with someone in your chair, you know, will really start that at least. Know, getting that to switch around a little bit yeah is that something that you talk about with your students like when you're sometimes yeah I mean I usually have them you know we usually start um, at least at the salon now um we usually start our day with um when I meet we start off with like you know how's it going how are you feeling have you had any challenges because we let them bring in uh people to work on if they don't have if it's like their day off and we have a chair open so you know I'm like have you had any struggles challenges you know and sometimes they'll bring stuff like that up and so we definitely cover it if they bring it up, but we have so much to cover too. It's hard sometimes to like go over something like that in particular. Um, I feel like that's usually a situational. They're like, Hey, I have someone in my chair. She's really upset or she just can't, you know, get out of her own head or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so then we usually address it then. Yeah. Cause that's something I just had to learn, I guess, on my own of how to hold space for people. Like that was not something I was ever taught. You know, I, I think I was learning it in my personal life, maybe, and then I applied it yeah. into the, being behind the chair, but yeah. like, it was never really, like, talked about. No, it really isn't. Um, when I was actually teaching and we went over, like, the professionalism chapter, we would talk, we'd, like, talk real briefly about that stuff, about just how to handle it if someone tells you something really, like, sad or, you know, things like that, because that can be really hard too, you know, just dealing with that client interaction where it is more personal, you know, I think can be hard. Um, it's just, it's a hard thing, you know, it's hard to know too, because you don't want to cross boundaries, especially if it's a new person, you know, so just knowing where to step into that and where to pull back a little bit, I think just also comes with practice and time, Definitely. you know, and especially if you have someone that's fresh out of high school, 
they're not going to be as great with that as someone that, you know, went to college and then decided to go back to school to do hair because they really wanted to do that. You know, an older person has that life experience. Like you said, you more, you learn that in your, more so I think in your regular life. And then you bring those things to the chair. Um, I also think something that's really important too is like, like you said, it's like hard to give all of yourself. So then we have to give it back to ourselves, you know, so making sure your self-care is taken care of, I think is, important enough to be able to have that emotion to help the people in your chair. Yeah, absolutely. But you really got to be able to show up for yourself so you can show up for others. Exactly. And being behind the chair for eight hours a day, however long it is, like Mm -hmm. it can be really exhausting if you're not taking care of yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes I come home and my husband be like, how was your work today? I'm like, it's fine. And then I just don't (laughs) talk anymore because I'm just done talking for the day. You know, because that is really exhausting too, you know, especially if you've had like a difficult guest that day or someone came in and like their spouse just passed away and you've like helped them all that, you know, I mean, it just, it really can just drain you, you know, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I would love to talk more about the, the shutdown and the impacts of that for the salon and Mm -hmm. just your views of, of the industry. For me, I saw on the news, you know, people protesting for a haircut, and that was very shocking to me on many levels. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And there's like, there's something there, and I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. Um, So what are your thoughts? Yeah. So as far as people protesting for haircuts, I just, you know, for me, people's health and safety was definitely more important. Um, I only had a couple people like kind of be like, Hey, are you doing haircuts on the side? And I was like, absolutely not because that could kill us all. (laughs) It's just not worth it. We're all just going to have a longer haircut. It's going to be fine. You know, like let your hair breathe, let your skin breathe, take this time, do a reset, whatever you need to do. You know? So I thought that was really just crazy. Um, as far as the salons and the industry, you know, our salon, like I said, we were closed for seven weeks. Um, which we were very high volume salon. So that was shocking for everyone. But, you know, at the same time, we wanted people to be safe. We were going to do a voluntary shutdown for two weeks before they shut us down anyways. So we had already planned on doing that because we thought the health and safety of our staff and our guests were way more important than, you know, coming in and doing haircuts. Um, I will say our salon was really awesome about just keeping us all connected because we have a very um, good salon culture. (laughs) I was trying to think of what word to use. Um, So for us, it was important, you know, to stay connected. And anytime there was a new situation, we did a Zoom, you know, so everyone had all the information. We heard it from them. You know, we have two bosses, two owners, and um, a general manager and then salon managers. So they were all really good about communicating with us, everything that was happening, and they could dissect the information if we weren't understanding what, you know, was happening. So that was really great. And then we also did like, you know, happy hours and we did cooking classes together and we had personal trainers come in and do Zoom exercises in the morning, you know, just to keep us all connected. So as much as it felt like we weren't really together, we kind of were, you know, and it was great. You could be a part of it or not, you know, whatever you wanted to do. Um, so I think that aspect of us just staying connected was really great. And then um, I worked with the one owner and the general manager on all of our sanitation protocols coming back. Because one of the things I did at Paul Mitchell was I did the state board prep for everyone. So I have all that really, really <laughs> engraved in my brain. And then we could dissect, you know, all the other protocols that they were saying that we should do from, you know, the state regulatory agencies to even what other states were allowing and not allowing, because we really wanted to make sure coming back that everyone felt safe and comfortable. And, you know, you could come back to work if you wanted to, you could stay home if you wanted to. They're very easygoing about that. You know, they were like, literally, it's up to you. You can come back anytime you want. You just have to let us know. Um, So I think the salon handled it really well, especially talking to some of the other, like my friends, for example, in other industries. Um, they took a lot of cues from what our salon was doing for how they went back to work, which I think was really cool that they took that from a salon, you know, and implemented the same types of things. So I thought that was really cool. You know, I feel like I'm coming out of this. We will be not considered just a hairstylist anymore. 
which I think is say more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know. I think that's just really um, interesting. Like one of my friends is a lawyer and she said that going back to do cases like trials, they weren't going to do anything. And she's like, well, I'm not coming back if you're not at least separating us or, you know, giving us different pens to use. Cause she said someone will come up and write something then that she has to write something and they just keep passing it around. She's like, well, we can't be touching everything that everyone else is touching now. So they just weren't even, they just weren't even thinking about it. And, you know, I think what's, what I've told a lot of my clients is, you know, we were allowed back first because we have infection control in our licensure. Cause there are, some of them are like, well, I don't know why tattoo shops are open. I'm like, well, they also have infection control in their licensure. Restaurants don't. So I just think that's really cool that we now are kind of set a little higher. Yeah, than what we used to be. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah. Do you feel like in your town and in Colorado, people are really taking it seriously? Um, More or less? Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> Denver, specifically, the city of Denver, you have to have a mask on if you're in public, period. Yeah. Like, people are getting fined and getting put in jail. I mean, it's maybe not in jail, but they're getting fined. <laughs> um, I think from some of the protests, some people got put in jail for not having the proper things on. But um, I, the salon, we're taking it very seriously. Like we've had to, act, like we literally stop people at the door and don't let them in until they have a mask on because that we're just trying to keep our space as sanitary and sanitized as possible, you know? Um, I think the things that people aren't taking it as seriously, you know, there's, especially where I'm at in Golden, I live like literally right next to the foothills. Like I'm up on a bluff, you know, it's, there's hiking trails, there's walking trails. And people aren't really wearing their masks outside when they're doing those kinds of activities because they're like, oh, well, I'm outside. But some things you have this much space to walk on. So if you have to pass people, you're not six feet away, you know. Sure. So um, that's where I've seen the most not compliant things, you know. Um, but, you know, our restaurants are open and everything. And, you know, I went to one with my friend on Saturday and we just wore our masks in and you just take them off when you get to your table, you know. Um, but I think people are trying. I think there are definitely people that think it's ridiculous. But. Totally, yeah. That's going to be with anything. Exactly. But I, I feel like if they just wear them, then we can get done with this so much faster. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, just put it on for five minutes, go where you need to go, and then take it off. Yeah. yeah. I'm just one of those people. Me too. Yeah. Um... Okay, so my education for ethnic texture, black hair was mm -hmm. next to nothing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stylists that I've worked with have said something similar. I, you know, I grew up in a really small white town and mm -hmm. spent the last four years living in a small white town too. Yeah, and so the demographic is just different. Yeah, exactly. So it was just, not really in it was in a blind spot of mine to really take the initiative to learn it mm -hmm. um learn about it i i i learned more about curly hair and with through like the deva inspired uh -huh. curly cuts and all of that but that's as far as my education goes yeah um tell me about your education with textured hair yeah, so a same thing, you know, in beauty school, we, that just wasn't our demographic, so I didn't really get that. Um, I also grew up in, I mean, smaller, but we had, we had a good mix of people. It's just the salon I worked at, we just, we were in an area where we just didn't have a lot of that opportunity to learn that or work with, you know, textured hair. Um, and then when I started teaching for Aveda, I started teaching a 10-hour long textured hair class like 10 hours. <laughs> it wow. was a very long day. Yeah. But what was great is it gave, you know, part of it is you just need to know why textured hair is different or what makes it different. And then how do you take care of it? Because you, you have good hair, healthy hair, styling it super easy. And I feel like that goes with anybody. You know, if you get a bleach and tone and she's got broken off pieces, that's going to be really hard to make, you know, style and look cute. So I think if you can just know how to take care of textured hair, then you can do textured hair, you know? Um, and then Aveda just came out with it. They just launched this huge like texture curriculum. Um, and we actually had a class scheduled for March and we had oh. to cancel it. Wow. 
because of COVID. So everyone was so looking forward to it. And then, it, you know, we just didn't want to, we didn't want to, you know, make us be around more people than we had to. We didn't want her to have to travel, you know, to come in for the class. We just wanted everyone to be safe. So we canceled that. Um, but, you know, there's so much free education right now that's virtual. I think if you're not watching these videos, you're ridiculous. And, and just, it's like right there free. Why wouldn't you watch it? Yeah. You know, just so you at least have the information. Sure. Maybe you have to use it. Maybe you don't, but at least you have the information. So I think that's really, I think we're going to see a lot more, especially with everything happening. I think we're going to see a lot more textured hair education, which yeah. hopefully will help people supplement where they didn't get it before, mm -hmm. you know? Do you have any, um, like websites or anywhere specific that you would recommend um, people to go to? Yeah. So if, if you're an Aveda stylist, you know, they, they have their website with all that stuff. Um, Hairbrained has had a lot of textured hair coming out. Um, what else did I just see? I think Behind the Chair had some coming out. I keep seeing them, you know, pop up, which is great. I mean, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, you're going to see it, you know, because I, I do think that it is going to become more popular for sure. Definitely. Even if it's just the, having the knowledge of it, you know, mm -hmm. it's become a lot more popular. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, um, there's like this like burning question with me is we kind of like started to touch on it, but not really. What do you feel like people get wrong about the beauty industry? Oh, <laughs> I think that a lot of people think that we're stupid. Like we can go to regular college. So this is what you do. Um, and I, I have noticed that I mean, there are some people that are super intelligent in our industry and it's just, they like to be creative. So they've just chosen something that they can be creative or make people feel good, you know? Um, so I think that's a real stigma um, in our industry. I think a lot of people don't take into consideration how physical our job is and how hard that is to do all day, you know, for eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours, you know? Um, so I think that that is something that they're just like, oh, you just do hair. And I'm like, well, actually, my body hurts. Thank you. And I'm emotionally drained every day when I come home, you know. Um, so I think that is something that also people don't really think about. Um, I think the main thing is they just think that, you know, we can't do anything better. Where does Honestly. that come from? Where does that stigma come from? I have no idea. I wish I knew. I'm sure it's probably from, you know. A long time ago <laughs> where you know and I, I thinking about the history of hairstyling I'm pretty sure that it was mostly men doing hairstyling when it very 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 first came out um, as a job so that's also something that I think is strange because you know a lot of men used to do all of the trade jobs you know and they were thought of as a provider and you know a good father and husband and all these things so it's like why why, if that's how it started, why do we now, when it's mostly women, I mean, let's be real, our industry is mostly women, but it's like, why aren't we as important then as they were, you know? So I, I find that interesting. Yeah, I I have a very similar feeling of like, I, I knew I wanted to do hair from a young age, but all around me, it was like this like judgment of, mm -hmm people that do hair are dumb and yeah. like what actually no like there's yeah. so much more to it than yeah. just doing hair right mm -hmm. like it's like we're yeah. running a business yeah we're yeah. you have to have good people skills mm -hmm. multitasking yeah selling yeah. products yeah there's so many little facets like, of the industry you know so many and just from you in your own chair whether you're in a salon or you're by yourself, yeah. you run your business, period, you know? Um, well, and like you just said, you know, you're running a business and you, you know, when I was booth rental, right, that's why I was like, okay, well, I have to make sure I have inventory, mm -hmm. but you have to plan ahead, you know, you have to do your taxes. I mean, there's so many things that people don't realize, you know, that you have to do. Um, I also wonder um, if people mostly see salons like a great clips or sport cuts or something like that you know they see seven dollar haircuts they think you're not going to make any money 
I mean, I work with multiple hundred thousand dollars stylists and estheticians, you know, I mean, that's insane that they can make as much money as my husband, who's an engineer, <laughs> you know? So I think it's just, maybe they just don't realize how much money you can make, you know, or how successful you can be. I know my parents were not super excited because, you know, my mom, the salon she went to was like a mediocre, like middle of the range kind of salon. And my dad would go to like a sport cliffs, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why they were not excited about me doing that, you know, or why maybe you were having people telling you that you shouldn't do that. But I mean, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to do it well. And I'm going to make as much money as I, you know, as I can doing that. Definitely. Yeah while building relationships with people mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing for me leaving because yeah. I, I i decided that you know i wanted to go travel and i wasn't really wanting to stay in the town that i was in and i quickly realized oh my gosh i just spent four years building a clientele yeah. It's like, I guess it was kind of in the back of my mind, but I guess in school and at the beginning of your career, everyone's just talking about you building, yeah, building, building, building. There's no conversation about what happens if you want to leave that or yeah. like, are you sure you want to be here because your clientele doesn't go with you? Exactly. There's just that, oh, you can do that anywhere. Yeah. And Yeah. But it's hard. But it's so hard to build a clientele. No. They're not going with you. And, no. if, you know, like, unless you're, like, really famous and you can be a traveling hairstylist. Yeah. Like, it, oh, and just, oh, it's devastating. I, and oh, I decided yeah. to tell every single one of my clients personally. Mm -hmm. that so you I have to have that conversation over and over and over. Ugh, it is yeah. so. I spent two months doing that. Yeah. And... Yeah. I, and I think that's why I take it really serious of like when I decide to get back into the behind the behind the chair, behind the yeah. hair. Uh, <laughs> that works. Um, that like I'm, that's what I'm going to be doing for a while. Yeah. When you have to pick where you want to be. Because yeah. if you're starting over, like you better really like where you're at. Yeah. That's why I started teaching actually, because we moved. Yeah. And I, I moved away from people that I had, you know, done for 13 years and it was my hometown. So a lot of them, I went to high school with them or I did their parents. And I mean, it just, it was very hard. You know, it was already hard enough moving away because I hadn't ever lived anywhere else. And then I was leaving, like you said, all of those relationships. Um, so we moved three hours away and I had people coming down <laughs> to see, I was like, you guys don't need to do that. Like I gave them a three year notice, three years. I was like, when my husband is done with school, we're going to be moving, like, just so we all know, you know, but it was nice that I had that much time because then they got to like know some of my friends that were in the salon and I could really match people up. So I felt better leaving because I matched everyone up with, you know, someone that needs a certain technique or someone that needs a, this haircut or someone that, you know, they just want to talk to someone, you know, they want someone easy to talk to. So I really pinpointed who needed to go to who, which was nice, but I mean, starting over is hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when we moved, um, so I moved from, um, I'm originally from South Bend, Indiana, which is where Notre Dame is, or Mayor Pete, if you were following any of the um, Democratic anything that was happening the last year or so. So we moved there to Indianapolis. And, you know, my husband's like, well, what do you want to do? You get to start over. What do you want to do? And I was like, I, I was doing what I wanted to do, <laughs> which makes it so hard. He's like, well, you can do anything. I'm like, yeah, I know, but that's what I want to do. So I did work in a salon for like a year when we moved, but it wasn't the same. I'll tell you right now, it was not the same. It was not my people. It wasn't, you know, it just was so different. And so then my one friend that I worked with there was like, hey, you know, the Aveda I went to is hiring. So that's when I started teaching, which was great. Cause like I told you, there's so many different facets. I was still in it. I could share that knowledge that I had built up in here forever with all of the new students. And I felt recharged and I didn't have to build a clientele, <laughs> which was so nice. So when we moved to Denver, I was, I did that because I knew we were going to be moving out West. So um, I was like, this is perfect. I can just move right to another school. It's going to be easy. You don't have a job. Cause that's something you have to think about, you know, when you move, 
okay, well, I don't have any clients, so I'm not gonna have a job, you know, because most places are commission-based, so that's hard when you're not doing anything. Um, so I started teaching hair, which was great, and then I just decided that I was ready to start doing hair again, so I found the salon that I'm at, um, and I only did that because they are so busy. I have never seen anywhere that has so many walk-ins and call-ins in my life. I went from working six-hour shifts, four days a week, to working full-time, and I, my first year, I had like a 75% growth because it was just so busy. Like, it, I, it was insane because I never thought I was going to move somewhere and start over because it sucks and it's hard and... You know, I just didn't want to do that, but it was so easy to do if you find the right place or the right people or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. So good luck. Thank you. <laughs> when you head back, <laughs> you'll be fine. You seem like you have a very great personality. So I'm sure that will be super easy for you, you know, to do. Thanks, Allison. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard. What do you feel like is next for your career now that you're back in the salon and there's all these new things happening? Mm -hmm. Is there anything on the horizon or something you're excited about? Yeah, so I'm actually, um, I still work behind the chair, obviously, and I do all of our apprentice stuff, but I'm starting to transition out of doing hair as much and getting to, um, our apprentice program was a year long and I'm trying to condense it down into like six months or maybe four months because that's everyone's biggest complaint is you know the program takes so long but we also you know have them apprentice you know and assist while they're working or you know I'm sorry doing our program so they get to make money too you know which is important because you know right out of school you don't make you just aren't making any money so we really want them to you know be financially stable and you know feel comfortable you know doing everything but we had our apprentice program where we had multiple educators. So we would just do one class a week for them, which is fine, but that's why it would take so long. And so now that I'm in a point where I'm trying to transition out of that, I will be pretty much just facilitating their education, which is great because then it gives me more hours. <laughs> so I can still feel like I make money. Um, and I am working, I'm just going to work behind the chair just three days a week for like five hours. That's it. And just great. work with the apprentices. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, I think that'll be really fun and different, you know. Little yeah. Challenge. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. Cool. So that's where I'm headed. Wonderful. Yeah. What's next for the industry? I actually think with everything that's happened with COVID, I think we're going to see a lot more virtual classes. I don't think doing a lot of hands-on one-on-one classes are going to be as I don't want to say necessary, but uh, as maybe even as available. I think they'll have some, but I, I really think they're going to do a lot more just virtual. Yeah. I really do. But I think that's interesting and cool because then you can do it at whatever time of day you want. You don't have to be like, oh, I have to take this day off at work or, oh, I have to waste my whole Monday, you know, doing a class. Which, and driving. And driving. And, and that's if you're somewhere where classes happen in your area, you know. Um, so I think that will be very interesting to see because that's kind of how I'm switching our program around too. We're doing more virtual stuff. Okay. So I really do think that's where it's kind of headed. Cool. Yeah. And I think a lot of natural hair, I think with all the, all the textured hair that's coming out and everything, I think it's going to move towards more natural. Yeah. I think we were all pretty much headed in that direction and now it's like mm -hmm. extra. <laughs> yeah oh absolutely like yeah. I think balayages and ombres are going to be in forever but that also leads towards more a natural look right because you're so rooted and you don't have to go in for your touch-up every four or six weeks you know I think I think it's going to be more natural hair too for sure right okay so um we're gonna create your beauty statement mm. and Basically, this is what I'm going to use. This is what you saw on the, the yeah. testimonies, right? So this, yeah. this is what we're going to use for that. Um, if you need any help or any whatever, we can work yeah. through it. Um, <laughs> but I'm just going to, it's pretty much like a, just like a fill in the blank mm -hmm. thing. Okay. So beauty to me is. Oh, I think 
beauty to me is being kind to yourself because if we don't feel beautiful, then we can't help other people feel beautiful. The, be <laughs> the beauty industry means to me. The beauty industry means to me that we get to help with people's self-esteem. Trying to think if I want to add anything to that. Take your time. Um, and the beauty industry to me is exciting and creative. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that too. What I would like people to know about the beauty industry is. Hmm. I think the beauty industry is irreplaceable hmm. because even though we may see more virtual education, we still have to do it. We can, robots can't do our job. You can't order it online. You know, I mean, I guess you could order color, but <laughs> it's not going to be great. You know, it's not the same as someone physically doing it to you. So I think it's irreplaceable. Yeah. I love that. Okay, last one, Allison. Hey. I am beautiful because. Mm -hmm. I think I am beautiful because I'm a real person and I feel like I am really good at relationships because I do think that's really important, you know, whether it's uh, with my husband or with my friends or my clients or, you know, whoever, I think that's really important. Cool. yeah this has absolutely filled my heart with joy connecting oh, with you and it's fun that you're in Colorado and I'm in California and yeah. through a little Facebook group we got to I know me and thank you so much you were the first one that was like me oh I was, <laughs> I was like I was like oh, thanks <laughs> you're welcome all right <laughs> Okay, Have a great day, and I'll talk you. to you later. Okay, okay sounds good. Right, bye. bye. <laughs>